we had to work so hard. And that's another thing with farming in the city. Like, man, it in so many ways does not make any sense. <laughs> most ways? In most ways. <laughs> like, it's absurd. Hey, welcome to the Make Something Where You Are podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Houghton, and I have ragweed allergies, and they are attacking me right now. Today, I'm interviewing Melissa Young Millsap. She began Urban Roots Farm with her husband, and it's a really cool story. They probably, you're just dealing with lots of allergens with that, I imagine. So I host a late night talk show called The Mystery Hour that I just started, and I watered it a little bit and put some organic fertilizer on it, and we've just kept going. We're on our ninth season on TV, and recently I was talking to my wife about perseverance of all of this, and uh, I, I've always said I want to do a, a nationally syndicated late-night talk show here out of Springfield, Missouri, which sounds ridiculous, right? But I was like, why do I keep doing this for several years? And then I realized that I say to myself on some level, well, you said you were going to, so you have to keep going until you stop. What do you mean? <laughs> anyway, uh, we got someone who's kept going in a, in a fruitful way, literally fruitful. Uh, but first, we're going to hear from our sponsors. First up is Old Missouri Bank. Old Missouri Bank is always there to help you make something right here in Springfield. It's your locally owned community bank for futures made brighter and banking made better. Visit oldmissourybank.com for more information about how we can help you go for it from right here in Springfield. It is also brought to you by the E-Factory. The E-Factory works with entrepreneurs, business leaders, startups, and creators to help make Springfield, Missouri the best place in America to start a business. So whether your company is still just a dream and you are in the thick of starting and growing your venture, or you are interested in meeting the people behind Springfield's amazing small businesses, the E-Factory is where you want to be. When you're ready to make something, they're ready to help. The E-Factory is really cool. Have you ever been there? It's very, I'm glad it's there. It's very cool. It's very cool. All right, let's get into it. I feel like I've known Melissa Young Millsap for years, but I haven't. In fact, well, she is in our original Make Something Where You Are video. She's the uh, farmer walking around doing cool stuff. She and her husband, Adam, created Urban Roots Farm. It's a totally unique thing, a small farm in an urban, low-income neighborhood of West Central Springfield. The story of why they did it and how they did it is fascinating. They're now in Bentonville, Arkansas, starting a new agriculture-based community. I was in Bentonville for something else, so I headed over to their house to talk to Melissa. It's this, she lives in this cool agriculture community with townhouses, a communal like fire pit. So we sat in her living room while their kids were sequestered upstairs, and we had a great conversation. So please enjoy this conversation with Melissa Young Millsap. So I guess start with that. How did that start and describe it? Urban Roots Farm? Yeah. Okay, so Urban Roots Farm is a one and a half acre, four season farm in West Central neighborhood, mm -hmm. which <clears throat> is about a half a mile from the square. Mm -hmm. um, and we have been growing food there since 2010. So we're getting ready to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. Mm -hmm. um, it's a certified naturally grown farm. Um, it's a unique setting because typically 
urban farms don't, um, it just doesn't usually make sense to buy property in the city and farm it. You know, right. farmers financially. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like you're going to get rich farming. Um, and, but this was re- very unique one because it was in West Central, which is one of the lowest income neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, um, a very blighted piece of property. Which gave you the opportunity to be like, this can 100%, work as a farm. Yeah. yeah. Because Adam and I, we, <clears throat> we bought the house next door to the farm um, two weeks before we got married. And we were so young and so naive. And we were like, you know, we were working downtown. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to be close to where we were working. And at that time, like downtown was just starting to kind of come back to yeah. life. And we, yeah. we really wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, and he was the cook and I was the waitress. Where it was, was very this? romantic. <laughs> um, it was at uh, South Avenue Pizza Company. Okay. The bar next door. Yeah. So. Wait, um, and you met, that's how you met? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we met. Um, he also, after he would cook in the restaurant, he would go to the Outland and be the bouncer. So I yeah. always got in free. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> Is that how he <laughs> won you over? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, that, and he knew how to steer a canoe really well. So that's all you did. That's all. Um, so we fell in love, we met and we were married in four months. Yeah. And then we bought a house two weeks before we got married in West Central and it was an abandoned home, but we were like, you know, we can totally flip this thing. It's a big Victorian home. Uh We can do this in the weekends. Like (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna flip the home, make some money and move to the country and start a farm there because yeah. I knew I wanted to be a farmer. Wait, how'd you know this? Um, well, I'm kind of one of those nerdy people that have journaled most of my life. Yeah. So I have all of my diaries from the time I was nine years old. <laughs> and right around the time I was 15, I started writing about how I want to be a farmer. Yeah. And, um, but where were you growing? You were not growing up on a farm? No. So I was South side girl, you Mm. know, spoiled. I had everything. I didn't have to do without anything. Um, and, but my grandfather had a farm and, um, his farm was in Pacific, Missouri, Mm -hmm. but it was very much like large, um, large production. Like he did corn and soy and hogs Um, but in the summertime, my parents would take turns shipping us kids up there for like a month at a time. Yeah. And that's when I think the romance of farming hit me because I got to frolic and like ride in the scoop of the tractor and like grandpa and grandma were just always there. And, you know, from my perspective, life seemed easy and beautiful. Um, and so, like, getting exposed to it kind of opened your eyes to that totally. as a possibility. Totally, yeah. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, this is a really beautiful way to live, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I liked being outside. And so then as I grew older, it was kind of like time to get a job. So I worked at a peach orchard, and then I worked at a greenhouse. And I just mm-hmm. kind of, like, steered my own education around agriculture and yeah. farming. So... 
I knew that's where I wanted to go. Um, and when I met Adam, I was actually still in school for landscape design. Uh-huh. Um, and so just always outdoors, plants. It was, that was me. Um, yeah. And Adam has like a very, he's like a natural engineer, you know, his mind just works like that. Uh He can take something apart and put it together and it'll be better than it was before. So, um, so he just, it, we were just a good fit. You know, I was the dirt and he was the builder. But did he have any farming know-how or desire? His parents, um, so his grandparents were farmers, just like my grandparents. Mm. And his parents moved off to farm, just like my parents moved off to farm. This is the same story. Yeah. You know, and I think that most of the people in our generation had grandparents or parents that were on a farm. My grandparents were. Absolutely. Like most of us do, especially in the Midwest, Mm. you know, um, but that's where it switched is because it wasn't until we moved into West Central Neighborhood that we both realized, like, there's, number one, all of these future generations that don't have either a grandparent or a parent on a farm. Right. Number two, I had no idea that there was urban life in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. Because... When I was young and growing up on the south side, like, Uh you didn't go downtown. Right. It wasn't safe. That's not what you did, you know? And so to learn that there was this whole culture that was just completely new to me. Yeah. But I was so, I just fell in love with it, you know? And I realized, like, there are these wonderful families that they get around by foot and I mean they just yeah you know they're not going to travel 15 20 miles outside of town to ever see chickens or you know blueberries or anything and so by living there and falling in love with the people and falling in love but also being terrified you Uh know honestly like it's it was different than what I was used to um so your your story is interesting of like kind of, I mean, what we'd say in Springfield terms, South Side, but kind of like suburban kind of life. And then you're at the same time being exposed to urban life and farming. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, so they're both different and often not together. Often not, but I think that that's what clicked for us is that um, like food brings people together we know that um and being outside you know it's fun the neighbors are outside and and when you go into more of an urban setting whether it's a low income or not um if it's just like urban density like people walk more they ride their bike more they're outside more even if they're just on their phone but walking the street like they're they're present as opposed to when you go more suburban and rural, yeah. it's driving the car, you pull into your garage, you close the garage door and you go inside and there's never yeah. that front porch sitting conversation. Yes. You know? Yeah, totally. That so, community aspect of it. We live in a neighborhood where it's like um, more backyard focused. Yeah. But I, uh, 
I always take our kids out to the front yard to play because I'm like, <laughs> we're gonna change this we're neighborhood. Do this. They're gonna people are gonna see us. They're gonna <laughs> walk over. <laughs> we try to do that. I actually lived kind of near. I lived like south in Madison. Okay. Um, a couple different places over there. And I yeah. really enjoyed that neighborhood of like yeah. kind of both being downtown but being in a separate place. And there's kind of this unique diversity of people that Springfield doesn't often have. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I think the more that like you take your kids to the front yard, your neighbors are going to be like, what are those guys doing? Uh-huh. You know, they'll start looking out the window and then maybe they'll start coming outside and like, I mean, it's yeah. a ripple effect. Well, I started, when we moved in, I I was like, Michelle, let's go meet the neighbors. She was like, you're on your own. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but I went around to every door and knocked on the door to introduce no, myself. No, you didn't. Yes. That's I, fantastic. I hate not knowing my neighbors. I think it's yeah. weird that you can live so close to someone and only give a wave, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's weirder to me than than the social anxiety of knocking on someone's door. Yeah. You know, some people like like, like Michelle, she's like, that's too big of a barrier for me. <laughs> but I was like, I'm what doing it. What happened to like baking cookies and just being like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah. So you know? no one came to us with cookies. No so one. So I was like, we're baking cookies and we're going to the there neighbor's house. Anyway, but I'm with you like in that because I, I kind of miss that from living downtown. It's just kind of like the natural interactivity yeah. that comes with it. Yeah, I agree. It's And, you know, I think it's important. I mean, our neighbors have always stepped up and but also we're outside. That's why I say stay, yeah. spend more time in your front yard because once we you know, moved in over there and bought the property next door and turned it into a farm. Like we're like the watchdogs of the neighborhood. Yeah. So we're outside all day, every day. Yeah. And we see when people leave for work and when they come home and if something's mm-hmm. weird or, you know, and so it's easy to wave and say hi. And of course they trot over slowly. Yeah. And, um, They're like, what are you doing? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody, uh, daily at Urban Roots, somebody stops by and is like, what is this place? And it's like it's so bizarre. And hidden. Like, it's not a place totally. you happen by, really. No, no. Like, I can't tell you how many Domino's tr- cars I see, like, fly by the front of the field, pop it into reverse, come back by and pull down <laughs> into the field. And they're like, is this place a community garden? Or like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, UPS trucks too. Those guys really oh, like yeah. to stop and take a break. So, so then you, so you buy the house yep. and you're eyeing the next door. Yep. How long does it take to? To get the property next yeah. door. Um, it took a while. So we bought the house. We thought we would flip it really quick, move to the country. Uh, little did we know that it was going to be like three more loans and six more years to even remodel a home. <laughs> and, and so um, we ended up, we so we got married in 2002 when we bought the farm in 2009. So we were well yeah. on our way in West Central by then. But what we had done is we spent... Um, about a year prior, kind of trying to figure out, we knew we wanted to farm, 
and we knew that we probably wanted to be near the city. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started looking at property um, and we were we actually had a garden in the field where the farm is now because our backyard um, was full of walnut trees and had no sun. So we mm -hmm. started far we started gardening in the front yard of this guy's property. But it was an unusual piece of land. Um, and about 30 years ago, there was a big fire over there. There used to be 28 apartment units and oh. 20 of them burnt down 30 some years ago. And so it left this very strange piece of property in the middle of the neighborhood. Um, and a lot of unpleasant activity was taking place over there. Yeah. Like really bad stuff. And at that time we were having kids and it was like, mm, do we really want to live next door to this? Or nice. like, what do we do? Do we sell it now and just jump ship or do we try and do something with this? Yeah. Um, so we decided, well, we want to have a farm. We're not done with this house. Let's try and buy this place and have a farm over here. And it wasn't for sale. <clears throat> so I approached the guy that owned it and he was like, no, I'm not going to sell it to you. And I was like, okay. Why did he want it? Um, he has a bunch of property in town. And I mm -hmm. think by this time, like it, he actually was like, now, where do you live? What property is it? Like he yeah. had no idea. Yeah. And you know, it was just turnkey for him. One of many. You know? Yeah. yeah. So then one day he actually shot me a price, um, and kind of laughed, like, you're not going to ever be able to pay me what I want for this piece of property, yeah. you know? And this was after I had asked him for well over three months. I had been calling him on a weekly basis. Like, are you <laughs> ready to sell this yet? You want to sell it to me? Come on. You want to sell this to me, don't you? Um, and finally, he shot me a price. And then I counteroffered. And he was like, fine, fine. I'll sell it to you. He just gave up. Um, to get you to stop calling? Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's wise. I think so. I should invite him over for dinner, actually, and be like, <laughs> hey, remember me? But, um, so yeah, we bought it. And, and the reason why <clears throat> we decided to purchase that property, because traditionally, urban farms are either on borrowed land, uh -huh. or it's like city property, or within a trust, and then you just get like a long-term lease that's very low, Yeah, you know? Um, <clears throat> but after doing a lot of research with urban farms around the country, we realized, um, like my first question was, if you were gonna do this, what would you do different? Mm -hmm. And every single one of them said, I would own the land. Yeah. You know? So, um, so we were pretty dead set on that. They all had very clear reasons why. And so the benefit to this, though, was that we had the eight apartments. So after the fire, there were 28 uh -huh. apartments, 20 of them burned. And so there's eight yeah. left. So we, we had an income immediately on the property. Oh, right. Super shady apartments. Yeah. Like we really had to go in and gut them all. Yeah. Um, which was Unfortunate because we were still remodeling our house six years later and now we had eight more to remodel plus God. build a farm. So that was really fun. But um, doesn't that, I mean, if someone's hearing this, they're like, this sounds daunting. 
Absolutely. Why Plus would I you? Had to- I had two toddlers. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're, they're only 18 terrifying. months apart. Wow. Yeah, it was nuts. So, but what, <laughs> what was it within you that kept you going on this? <laughs> um, well, I think uh, a couple things. Um, Adam and I both feel like we had we had owned a landscaping company. Um, we had bought this house. We're we're doers. Like we we work a lot. We mm-hmm. both love to work. Um, he likes to play a little bit more than I do, but we, he's his work ethic is way up there. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, we just, we, we had a young family um, at the time. The kids were very little. And we were just tired of everything pulling us away from them, number mm-hmm. one. And number two, we just really wanted to feel good about the hours we were putting into our day. Yeah. And, um, and landscaping, while it served the being out in nature, mm-hmm working with the soil, having that wonderful customer service aspect. Um, We were still putting plants in the ground that didn't belong there. We were still pulling gravel from the rivers that we love. Like there were just a lot of moral aspects to it that didn't serve us Mm -hmm. and which can sound somewhat purist. And I'm way, I am so far from being a purist. Um, But I thought I've always been, and this is kind of weird, but I'm kind of driven by death. By death? Yeah, like I'm afraid of dying. And like, I want to do so much while I'm here. Yeah. And I know, like it's inevitable, right? Like we're gonna die and the older I get, the sooner it's gonna happen. And so (laughs) I just, I wanna make it matter, honestly. I just wanna, do some really cool stuff while I'm here. Yeah. My goal in working is not to leave my kids a fortune. Like I want to leave them with really great people and awesome stories and just experience because that's all we have. Yeah. You know? And so, and Adam and I, thankfully we both agreed, like we, we need to live our life while we're here and go for it. And so it's easy to jump whenever you can look at it like that. Um, and just try and make a difference. And we have no money, you know, and especially back then it was like, we have time and we have talent and we don't have money. So what do we do with it? Yeah. Let's just build a farm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's pretty inspiring. <laughs> well, and I mean, and when you think about it, like there were, I mean, I think that the universe definitely sends me signs just like everybody else. But like living there in West Central, realizing that there was an urban life in Springfield, mm-hmm. um, realizing that <clears throat> there are generations that will not have a connection with a farmer. Mm-hmm. do not know where their food comes from. Yeah, Most of them don't know how tomatoes grow. They definitely don't know that tomatoes are in ketchup. Um, even though there's a picture on the freaking label. Like, they, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they, they don't have that. Um, 
And so by having our small little garden in the front yard of our house there before we started farming that property, mm-hmm. we were forming relationships with kids in the neighborhood and people yeah. in the neighborhood. And they'd walk by and I'd be out there in the garden and they'd ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was scary, honestly, that they, that there were just so many people that did not, they didn't know how to grow the food. Yeah. You know, and not only didn't they know how to grow the food, but they didn't have access to it either over there. Right. You know, um, there weren't any grocery stores nearby. Yeah. And they're walking to the gas station to go grocery shopping, you know. And so it was like, we've got to figure out a way to bridge this gap because it's massive and it's terrifying and, and... a teeny tiny farm kind of made sense. And yeah. today it totally makes sense. So it's kind of like this intersection of like what you guys needed. Yeah. And then also what you could provide to the yeah. nearby community. And I'm forever grateful for that exactly. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. You know, I don't know if it's just being vulnerable. I don't know if it's being naive. Definitely slightly naive. Lots of naive in the recipe. But um, I think just paying attention and wanting to make a difference and taking some ownership of it. And yeah, I mean, not only listening to what the community needed, but what I could give. You know, because mm-hmm. we all have talents. You know mm-hmm. that. Like, a, a, a talk show night, like, come on. A <laughs> late night talk show in it, Springfield, like, okay, it's Springfield, but it's, it's as needed. Impro- it's as improbable as putting a it small totally farm is. in the neighborhood. <laughs> it 100% is. But look at how that's thriving, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes people don't know what they need until you show it to them. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't know what's possible, too. Like, thinking of kids in that neighborhood, being able to see then something, they can capture a little bit of what your dream was, and maybe that's embedded in them in the same way it was embedded in you. Absolutely. And that's the crazy thing is, so having the the farm there was actually illegal to do what we did. So... (laughs) (laughs) So before we bought the property, we um, had to petition and go to city council and um, planning and zoning. It took eight months to uh, work with the city to create um, urban agriculture and and permits that would allow for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was... Honestly, like the first time Adam and I walked out of our first city council meeting, we looked at each other and both of us had the same feeling of feeling like adults for the first time. Like we can actually make a difference here, Uh you know? Yeah. And we're just two tiny little people that want to grow food. But like, you know, in seven days we had 900 signatures and city council passed it. Like, you know, it was just like- a beautiful thing. Like, who wants to argue about growing food, really? <laughs> How could you be against it? Right. 
Um, but for some reason, it just, it was illegal. And now, you know, the city completely embraces it. Yeah. And now we can have urban chickens and now we can have bees and we yeah. can have high tunnels and we can have all of these different markets in the city. And, um, and so Springfield, well, you know, it's a bigger city, but it still has the small city mentality. So it's easy yeah. to work with. You know, people yeah. are approachable, they're reachable, they'll listen to you. Yeah. Um, Kansas City has been working on some of those, that zoning for, gosh, 20 plus years. Oh, really? And having trouble with it, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but through going, going through all of that stuff with the city and having to tell our story over and over and over again, mm -hmm. um, we realized that you know, urban agriculture has a place in the world of food, but also there's so much education that needs to take place. So we also started a nonprofit um, at the same time that we started the farm. So the farm's the for-profit business, yeah. but then we did a spinoff and we started Springfield Urban Agriculture Coalition. And with that, we wrote a grant and got money to start um, 10 schoolyard gardens. So oh, wow. we installed, they're basically outdoor classrooms. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so, yeah, it was a lot going on, but now R12 has a full-time farm to school teacher. Really? We've absorbed the program. The dirt project is what it was called. It was wow. digging R12 back in the day. And, um, and so there's just been a lot of movement around yeah. local food and and the support in Springfield. So But you guys are kind of were the tip of the spear on making it go. We were definitely part of that community. Yeah. Like there was and that's the that's the other thing though. Like we it wasn't Adam and I that built urban roots. Yeah. Like it wasn't Adam and I that solely did the nonprofit and the school year garden. Mm -hmm. Like Springfield showed up for that. You know, yeah. people came out of the woodworks, whether it was financially, whether it was bringing their own equipment to help build this stuff. Yeah. I mean, one night at Delaware school, we had 320 people show up for a two hour volunteer night to help build raised bed. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just crazy, yeah. you know? And um, I, I often like to look at like urban roots and how it just, the concept and where it grew from as like the romantic story between us and our community. Cause it's yeah. a love story, 100%. That's great. You know? Yeah. And we have, people that have invested their time and their dollars and people that have taken chances on us with our CSA. I mean, yeah, with that program and us being new farmers and people saying, yeah, sure. I'll pay for a share your first year and expect you to give me food for 24 weeks. Like, yeah. you know, I'm a new farmer. I'm going to make mistakes, but yeah. people trusted in us and right. Holy cow. Yeah, and I feel like I feel similarly like um I'll get kind of pats on the back for 
doing something new, providing something yeah. for community. And, but I often truly feel like I'm more of a recipient of generosity Absolutely. from people. I, I often am like, how am I ever gonna repay my town for what they've given me? Yeah. Like I, I don't even know. Like I try and volunteer, I try and help out, <laughs> I try and show up, but I don't know that I'm ever gonna be able to give back what I've received. But don't you also think people, and I mean, this isn't a new thought by any means, but like people are drawn towards people that are passionate about a thing. I find myself like with, I don't know, random people that I meet, meet and I'm like, I like that guy and what he's about. And it's just because he's passionate about this yeah. thing. Or I'm like, I like that thing. And it's just because he was passionate about it. Yeah. And it, so I, I can see people being like, oh, an oh, urban farm cool. I want to be in West Central neighborhood? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What do I got to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's true. Like, I don't know. It's, um, I'm definitely attracted to passionate people. Like, I want to hear their story. I want to immediately know how I can help. And unique ideas, too, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I, I always tell people, like, I don't know, in Springfield, there's just so much opportunity there though, too. Like, it's a big town, it's a big small town, and it's affordable to live there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I feel like there's space for unique ideas and authenticity yeah. and yeah. Con new concepts. like. So I'm always, we get so many like young college kids come through the farm with our apprenticeship program and our internships and stuff. And I'm always like, leave Springfield, like go away. Mm -hmm. Find yourself, find your passion and come back here and just do it. Yeah. Because cause you can, yeah. you know? And why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's a very supportive environment now. It way. is. Yeah. And I've had some friend has said before, Springfield's big enough to have one of every cool thing. Absolutely. Or it's not like a big city where there's a bunch of like places. I don't know what the yeah. best example would be, but it's like, yeah, we got a 1984. Yeah. The, the arcade. It's the them. coolest. If there were four similar things, they wouldn't make it, but we yeah. can have one of them and yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> hey folks, it's time to recognize the mid-show sponsors. Here we go, 1906 Gents is Springfield's own custom design wood shop. Offering custom furniture and build outs for your home or office and more, the 1906 Gents will work with you to create one to create one of a kind, unique quality wood pieces that will stand for generations. The 1906 Gents offers a wide range of woodworking and design services in addition to their own line of furniture and home decor. The 1906 Gents, we build the things you make memories around. I have some of their things. We've made memories around them. Also, the coffee ethic. Coffee ethic has always lived by the simple principle of cup, people, earth. Dedicated to the art and science of brewing, the coffee ethic simply knows how to create a great cup of coffee. Now offering a subscription service, you can get their coffee shop coffee delivered right to your door each month. Learn more at thecoffeeethic.com and type in the promo code MAKESOMETHING at checkout for your subscription for a 15% discount. All right, let's get back to Melissa. 
So, okay, so I'm also curious, so you have this idea, you get through the permitting process. Yep. What do you gotta do to prepare the land? Holy cow. Yeah, so it was a blighted piece of property. Um, man, we have pictures. Thank goodness for pictures. Adam and I, probably four to six times a year, we'll sit back, down, we'll sit down and we'll go through from the time we bought the house till the present time and yeah. just look through everything because you forget, you know, yeah. you forget like, you forget your struggles, you forget what the farm was or what the house was or, you know, what we did. And it kind of like helps, it gives you hope and builds you up. And, and I did that recently with, urban roots because we're starting another farm and I was feeling very bogged down and just like, oh my gosh, like where's the soil, you know? Mm -hmm. And I dug up these pictures of our first year at urban roots and the rocks that we would pull out of the ground. I mean, it would take three of us to just like, you know, haul them into this rock. We, we hauled six dump trucks full of rocks off of one acre yeah. in the first year. Holy cow. We we had to work so hard. And that's another thing with farming in the city. Like, man, it in so many ways does not make any sense. <laughs> most ways? In most ways. <laughs> like, it's absurd. Um, yeah. But now... You know, 10 years later, I go over there and that soil is so beautiful. And honestly, as strange as it sounds, I can like feel the earth exhale. Yeah. You know, because it was not that. And now, yeah. I mean, our carrots are so beautiful and long and happy. And that's just <laughs> a sign of the soil that it's growing in, you yeah. know, but but yeah. Do you, do you plant in the ground or is it raised bed? Oh, no. We're yeah. in the ground. Oh, yeah. 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 That's remarkable in itself, just in yeah. that. Yeah. But I mean, you got to be careful. Like when you're starting off, you got to do like heavy metal testing and yeah. stuff like that in the city because you just, you don't know what's in the soil. Yeah. And there was so much trash. And so um, we have a video of like clearing, like brush hogging and clearing the field for the first time. <laughs> And we yanked down this one tree and a vacuum fell out of the tree. <laughs> like I have, first of all, it's amazing we captured that on video. And second of all, like who put a vacuum in the tree? <laughs> I have no idea. But these are like some of the weird things you find. Not to mention some of the sad things are all of the needles. And yeah. like, I mean, we're in the hood over there. And yeah. There's some creepy stuff that you yeah. gotta be really careful about. Yeah. But, and recently we tore up half of uh, the parking lot to make space for more produce. And we found these amazing, like hand blown glass bottles that yeah. used to have, like, we looked them up and they would be for like soda water like carbonated water, but hmm. they have like a round end and a cork and like, so we've found some really neat things yeah. in the ground over there as well that like, <laughs> I mean, it's not arrowheads, but it's urban yeah. 
arrowheads. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the trash left over from like the 1800s. Well, also that neighborhood, like, um, used to now it'd be like a low-income neighborhood, like these oh, big yeah. old Victorian mm-hmm. houses and stuff. Absolutely. And it's kind of like a regeneration of Absolutely. like the house you did. Like the the street that the farm sits on, State Street, um, it used to have a trolley, a streetcar yeah. that would come down it and turn around and, yeah. you know, and and we've been able to see some old photos. Some of them are actually in the, uh, the History Museum, yeah. you know, of State Street and... So, and we've had people stop by and give us pictures of, you know, hey, I grew up over there. Here's a picture of the house that was here. Oh, uh, cool. You know, and so it's, it's <clears throat> really neat to, to see that because there, there was an old Victorian on the farm's property that was yeah. built in 1857. My house that is on the property was built in 1907. Yeah. And so, you know, there's... Neat stuff. So what was that first year like? First when, year of the farm? Yeah. Like so you get everything cleared. Oh god, it was so bad. <laughs> and you guys so kind of know what you're doing? Kind of. I mean, yeah. I mean, I knew how to grow food, but yeah. I didn't know I had never grown it for a living. And yeah. I had never grown it on that scale of production yeah you know i'd worked in greenhouses i'd worked in orchards like so i didn't go into it completely blind um but but it was it was terrifying and like i said the soil wasn't happy and um and that took years to to work through that we saw so many problems like and even the flooding like there was so in in 2012 we had crazy floods happening and i remember like going out to the backfield to harvest squash and it'd be like floating attached to the squash plant but just floating <laughs> you know and and so just like learning those and learning how to take care of that you know mm-hmm. and eventually we started building up berms and we later on dug a big drain garden and you know and so we we literally were like creating an environment trying to inhabit it trying to learn it and trying to change it all at the same time yeah and we needed to make money right how's that aspect (laughs) how is your i would beg the city utilities guy every time every month he'd come to my door and i'd be like please don't shut my utilities Just give me one more week. And you have toddlers. Like, how oh, yeah. are you? Well, if you answer the door with a toddler, they're most likely oh, not going to shut off your utilities. <laughs> <laughs> like, go answer the door. Yeah. So, but how is your stress level at this um, point? At this point, it's pretty good. Yeah. Back then, it was terrifying. Yeah, back then, I mean. Yeah, yeah. back then, it was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. But. It was also super exciting, too. Like, you know, I kind of have only been telling you the bad parts. But the amazing parts, again, were people showing up and helping us build high tunnels until 10 o'clock at night. Or, like, my neighbor, we we were putting plastic on the greenhouse. Um, 
and my neighbor was this little old lady on oxygen and she would sit there and watch us work and you know chat with us and keep us company but so we're stretching this plastic and this big wind picks up and um you know typically that's a very scary moment when it's a big kite right mm-hmm. and so we're like trying to figure out what we're doing <clears throat> whether or not we should let go of the plastic and just let it go or not and anyways the wind calms down and i look over and she's standing like on the plastic oxygen in hand hanging on like she you know she came running <laughs> to help and like and and that's so minor but it, yeah. at the same time it's like she felt the need to be a part of this and to jump yeah. in and to help us. And, um, and that happened over and over again over there. I mean, just people wanting to be a part of it and people wanting yeah. to help and people making us dinner or people coming over and helping us have events or have, uh-huh. you know, um, build stuff. I mean, we had to build everything. Yeah. We didn't have any money to pay anybody to do it. Right. But also now when I walk around that farm, like all I see are faces, like faces of my community that have helped me and Adam through the years. And it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. That's really beautiful. So then when does it get, I imagine you're kind of, it's kind of been growing all these years, but when does it get to like, I don't know if I'd say like near to what it is now. Does it take a few years? Yeah, for sure. Like every year, thankfully, um, you know, we are very driven people, you know, we're workaholics and I've embraced that. (laughs) Um, and so every year, you know, we analyze, the, the business and we're like, okay, what's working, what's not working? Um, how do we need to do this better? Um, and continuously every single year financially, it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the point now <coughs> where we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years of growing food over there, um, you know, it is, it's fully supporting two families. It's, financially sustainable mm-hmm. um on an acre and a half on well actually we're we're only growing food on three quarters of an acre yeah yeah because we have the apartments over there uh-huh and the parking and you yeah. know all of that that's um, incredible but yeah like it's it's a tiny farm adam calls it a micro farm i mean it's yeah. it's super small but um and the key to that is growing year-round. Um, oh, yeah. There's a doggy. my farm dog. <laughs> what a cute dog. going to be feisty. Um, what, yeah, what type we, of dog is this? That's a Great Pyrenees. Great Pyrenees. She's only 12 weeks old, but <laughs> gonna be huge. she's going to be enormous, like 120 pounds. But hopefully she hunts deer. That's the goal there. So we'll see. But... um. But I imagine that's got to be, like, my understanding of farming and not knowing much about it. I wouldn't ever think you could be profitable on three-quarters of an acre. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, um, 
again, that's why you have to go year round. Yeah. So we we do not take a season off, um, and you know we have these really great season extension equipment. So we have like high tunnels and low tunnels and cat tunnels. We have all kinds of things on the farm to help us produce food longer mm -hmm. during its season and more of it. Yeah. And especially with like environmental issues and changes and lots of heat or lots of rain, like, <clears throat> you know, that's a farmer's job is to adapt at all times. Yeah. So, and quick. So, um, so part of that is, you know, through the years we learn how to adapt, mm -hmm. what the tools are. We become way more efficient. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you also learn like what your outlets are. And, and for years we did farmer's market and farmer's market is great in so many ways, but um, for us, and our personality, which is important when mm. you're in business for yourself, is to really pay attention to uh, what fits you. Like, mm -hmm. try not to form to what you need to be and what the, you know, what your customers and all that want yeah. you to be. Like, you really still need to be authentic to who you are. Yeah. Um, and for us, working with chefs is um, ideal. Yeah. So there, there's a very beautiful relationship that takes place between a farmer and a chef. And yeah. so um, building those relationships, working with them um, has really proven to be great for, for Urban Roots. And being so huh. close to downtown yeah. and all the restaurants down there and just accessibility. Yeah. I mean, so is that mostly out. the model is selling to chefs? Um, no, we do. Um, we still have a CSA program, yeah. so that's Community Supported Agriculture. We have about 65 members there. Um, and then we have a farm stand on the farm, which is really, it's so fantastic. It's um, an honor system farm stand. Yeah. So we, we don't have to man it, and it's in our walk-in cooler. So yeah. literally, we stock a shelf, we put a price on it, there's a money box there, People come in, they shop it, they throw some money in, and they leave. And no way. Yeah, so it's a really beautiful thing. It's like the answer to an introvert shopper. Yeah. Like they don't have to speak to anybody or anything, and they just <laughs> go in and get their produce. And then we carry, like, coffee from Coffee Ethic in there, uh -huh. and we have some cheeses from Tarot Creek. And so we have, like, this teeny tiny little market that self-serve on the farm and that that has 100 percent like knocked the need for going farmer's market out of our budget oh yeah so and people pay the right amount yeah honestly i a lot of times they pay more yeah they love is this it. a thing anywhere else yeah i mean I i've think never heard of that, that um i think like on the north northeast area uh -huh. you know it's pretty common and huh. uh and we we've had to you know we've had our money box ripped off the wall a couple times we are in the hood yeah so we've had to learn you know how to anchor it properly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that but um but for the most part people really respect it huh. and, and enjoy it so 
so yeah, between those two outlets and then the restaurants, and we sell to restaurants twice a week. So, so then I'm speaking to you in Bentonville. Yeah. So along the way, mm-hmm. you get some sort of call. We did. And what 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 did this entail? Or what are you doing now? What am I doing now? I'm well. We're starting another farm. Yeah. Which is also strange for a farmer to yeah. start, another start another one. Farm. Usually, <laughs> you build a farm and you die on that farm. You have that land. Yeah. And your kids have it. Um. So you know that's. I think that the the future of farming is changing drastically. Yeah. Um, and I think that urban agriculture is a piece of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely where I fit in. Yeah. Um, I love people. I love being around people. And if, and I want to farm, but if you were to put me in the country and I wouldn't have access to like conversations daily, I would be a right. mess, you right. know? Um, the plants can only entertain me so much and then I need people to actually right. talk back. Yeah, so, which um, is a barrier, I imagine, for a lot of people. For sure. I yeah. mean, there's, there is a lot of depression in farmers and, like, high suicide, high suicide rate. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, it's a, it's a tough job. Yeah. You know, it's a stressful job. Um, but, yeah, so Urban Roots was killing it, and we're loving it. Um, and we had this opportunity to uh, come down to Bentonville and design and install the farm for Arkansas's first agrihood. 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 Okay. Yeah. And so um, it is again an urban farm. Um, it's a mile from downtown Bentonville. Mm-hmm. Um, and. <clears throat> It's based around what we've done at Urban Roots. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of the same. It's four season, um, same movable high tunnel concept. Yeah. Um, very much what we do, a little bit bigger. It's actually twice the size. Yeah. Um, but we saw this as an opportunity to create more farms. So yeah. for us... You know, we're still pretty young. Um, We still love to work. Mm. And we still really believe that agriculture is our path. Um, And Urban Roots is doing great. Um, Our farm manager over there has been with us for five years. And, you know, there were so many days that I spent in the field. And I would just, like cry and get terrified as to like what's going to happen if something happens to me you know what if adam gets so ill and i have to take care of him or what if i physically get injured or what if something happens to both of us like what will happen to this piece of property that we have given our all like yeah and it was just so scary. I had no answers. I didn't know yeah. how it would survive without us. Um, and so that has honestly been one of the the most amazing things at stepping away from that farm and allowing our farm manager to flourish. 
Yeah. And, I mean, she's been with us for so long and she's watched us and she's loved it and she's lived there. And, yeah. you know, to know that the farm can sustain her and sustain an assistant for her and itself and just to to know that it can go on without us mm-hmm. is is honestly the ultimate answer. Yeah. Like I we did not do that for nothing now and I know that. Yeah. Because it will be there without us. Yeah. So um so that totally motivates me. And right. That, that to me says do it again. Do it again, you know? And so we're down here and we're trying to build another farm and we're yeah. trying to build another crew and we want to create another awesome, sustainable urban farm. And our plan is to keep doing that. Like yeah. after we do this one, we want to go do another one. Like we yeah. found a system and a system that works and a love and we're driven and there's people that really want this. Yeah. But honestly, the hardest part is getting started. Right. You know, and having the vision for it. And every single, like, the farm we're doing now will not be urban roots. It won't be like urban roots yeah. because there's so many different variables. But it will still be a for profit, tiny farm that mm-hmm. grows food year round, surrounded by people. Yeah. And surrounded by people that want the food. And it's going to have its own stories. And yeah. I'm just excited to be a part of it. Yeah. And I'm already looking forward to the next farm after this. So does that mean like the vision is you'll move and start another one? Or is there like some... I don't know. Or like because you have this model, can you consult or create this model and have other people do it or... I don't know. I mean, I, um, I've done, I, you know, we've been doing some consulting. I, um, consulted on, um, Finley Farms and Ozark Mill mm-hmm. and helped design the farm that's getting ready to pop up over there. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's to me, again, to the future of farming, that's where we're going back to is mm-hmm. the small farmer. You yeah. know, we, we were there and we all know the story, you know, yeah. and Big Ag and all this. And um, and now we're just kind of going back to our roots and what we know. And people are going to, I think that our future is those neighborhood farmers, you know, and, yeah. um, and having a relationship with those farms and being able to go to them when you need stuff. And, um, and luckily there's, you know, I think our generation is starting to realize that they want it and what, maybe they aren't farmers, but maybe they are investors or maybe they are consumers Mm -hmm. or educators. But I think that, people are starting to see that that's where we're going and they're willing to step up and say, I support this. Let's do this. Yeah. This makes sense. You know, it's. So what does, um, what does growing food and working in soil like mean to you personally? 
I feel like there's a connection there outside oh, of like yeah. the business and stuff. Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, it's, to me, it's therapy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I am not a patient person. I am, um, I like to be very busy. I have a lot of emotion and I'm driven by passion. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily deal with emotion mm -hmm. in life. Um, and so honestly, I find working with the soil to be that for me. It is mm. me taking the time to heal myself and mm -hmm. to heal the earth. And I have to slow down and I have to be patient. Yeah. I mean, the quickest thing I can grow is a radish. And from the time I put that seed in the ground, it's still 28 days till I get to eat it. <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, come on, you know? Yeah. And, and there's bugs that want to eat it before I do. And there's rain that wants to wash my seed away. And yeah. there's, there's life that happens and I can't plan for it, but mm -hmm. I can learn to deal with it. And so that is what I have to do on a daily basis. And yeah. I'm not great at dealing with my own life, but I'm forced to think about it and I'm forced to deal with something and yeah. it finds its way. And I think it makes me a better person. Yeah. You know, it's if 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 I was to be stuck in an office, I I don't know that I would have any friends. <laughs> People would be like, what's this zombie thing just walking around? She has no character. Well, I think about that for myself with um cuz I get I've uh a hot engine in my head all the time. Yeah. And um when I do something that's slow, it's great. Yeah. Like I'll go for, I don't do this as much where we live now, but when we lived a little closer, well, in sprinkle terms, we were kind of by mercy and stuff. Okay. And I would um, just like walk downtown, and it would take like 45 minutes. And it's like terribly inefficient. And because Light of that, it's time. great. Yeah, I go out walks at night wow. because it's just like slow and quiet. I have to slow, like these things that slow you down or slow us down. Yeah. Other people maybe do better at it naturally. Yeah. But there is something about the slowness of it, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's critical. I mean, I think most, um, most entrepreneurs I know, are, their minds don't stop. Yeah. You know, and... Which is wonderful because if they listen to it, then they're probably going to do something and make something and be happy. But at the same time, we're a little crazy, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you have to be. Yeah. And, and we're usually poor, so we can't afford therapy. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you got to find a way. Let the soil be your therapist. <laughs> the soil is my therapy. <laughs> And surprising, it's it's a lot of people's, even when they don't realize it. No, it's, that makes sense. I mean, my wife has a garden in our backyard, and yeah. she, it's soothing to her it in is. some way. Yeah, 
It is. There's something about it. Like, and I know there's science out there. I've read that, you know, but I don't really need, I don't need it to tell me because I feel it. So. Yeah. That seems like a good place to stop. <laughs> how, how, what time is it gone? Oh my gosh, I'm so good. <laughs> I tried to shoot for an hour and that was yeah, an yeah. hour. Look at you. And 34 seconds. You are so good. I'd like to end this by saying, I'm good. I am so good. <laughs> You're good. I, <laughs> you are good. I love hearing that. Because <laughs> I've known you guys, but I haven't known the whole story and mm-hmm. all the significance of it. Yes. The end. There she was, Melissa Young Millsap. How about that? I really like, my takeaway from her is just her gratitude and optimism. It's, it's refreshing. It's easy as you're like, go, like, doing your own thing, trying your own thing for a while to get cynical or just get just get edges of cynicism. But I, I admire her gratitude and optimism. If you'd like to learn more about Urban Roots Farm, visit urbanrootsfarm.com or their current project, you can check out redbarnbentonville.com. Make Something Where You Are is audio engineer is Colton Jackson. Also, podcast music provided by Darren King. This is Jeff Houghton in the Make Something City, Springfield, Missouri, reminding you, You can make something where you are.